Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. It's the attitude of thinking someone else is worthless, devaluing them, despising them, diminishing them. And the problem with that is every person is made in the image of God. And when you disparage a person who's made in the image of God, you are also disparaging the one who made them. What is it we learned as a child? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, the older you get, the more you realize just how foolish that (laughs) saying is. Words do hurt. And some people use those words with great skill, don't they? Pastor Leighton Sheely is going to talk about our words and how we use them as he continues his look into the Sermon on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes. This is study verse by verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. More details about the church are on the web at highlands.us and this ministry has a website as well, Study versebyverse.com. That's where you can find past broadcasts, especially in this series that you may want to get caught up on. That's studyversebyverse.com. Pastor Layton is starting a new message in this series, today dealing with anger and murder. The penalty for murder was death, and it was not reducible to any lesser sentence. And the clear implication what Jesus is saying here is the scribe and Pharisee version refers to the act being carried out. And we do the same thing because our dictionary defines murder as the uh, offense of unlawfully killing a human being with malice aforethought, expressed or implied. But is murder more than just the act? Is there some guilt to a person who wanted to kill someone else but uh, was delayed from doing so by some unexpected circumstance or didn't do it because they had a fear of getting caught? You see, this is how people excuse their thoughts of murder, because they say, well, I didn't actually do it, so I'm not guilty of it. But that reasoning doesn't support the intent of God's commandment, because God is concerned with the heart. Jesus did not say that anger leads to murder. Jesus said that anger is murder. And then notice that he provides in this passage a description, a graduation of anger and a graduation of punishment. The first level is the person who is angry with their brother. Now, in Greek there are two words for anger. Thumos describes a flame that quickly erupts and quickly dies down, like a flame that might happen in the case of straw or something like that. But there's another word, uh, orgy, that describes a anger that is fueled and encouraged by the heart that doesn't die down. It's, it's an anger that someone broods over and will not allow to die. That's actually the word that Jesus uses here in this passage. Now, any kind of anger is dangerous because any kind of danger can get out of control very quickly and and lead to violence and hurt and even murder. Unrighteous anger keeps us from developing a spirit that is pleasing to the Lord. Now, there is a form of righteous anger, but that's not the anger that's being spoken of here. This kind of anger is forbidden. James says the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Jesus forbids an anger that refuses to be pacified 
and which seeks revenge. If we're going to be following Jesus, we need to get this out of our lives. We need to get it out of our hearts. We need to get it out of our minds. It needs to be removed. And then Jesus goes on to speak of two cases where this internal feeling of anger erupts into words. So anger in a person's heart and anger in their speech is equally forbidden. Jesus condemns calling one's brother Raka. Raka. Now, the exact meaning of the word is uncertain, but it was an expression of contempt. And Jesus said this expression renders a person subject to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the highest authority in the land and oversaw not only religious affairs, but government affairs as well. We don't have something that's equivalent. I would say that the closest thing we have is probably the Supreme Court. And, and Jesus uses words here, stupid and fool, which is in the next statement, which are very similar in meaning. They're everyday utterances, ordinary insults that betray an attitude of contempt for our fellow man, which God takes very seriously. The question then nat- naturally we should arrive, how seriously? How seriously does God take this? And so Jesus answers that question by using concepts that people are familiar with, such as the court system, to describe the severity of penalty for something that people tend to take lightly, bad-mouthing another human being, but that God takes very seriously. According to Jesus, a person who merely thinks angry thoughts about another person should be brought into court. I don't know about you, I don't know any court in the land that would take a case of thought. But Jesus says, you even think it, you should be brought to court. And if those thoughts are expressed out loud to the other person, you should be brought before the Supreme Court. Now, can you imagine the caseload in our Supreme Court if every case in America where somebody said an angry word ended up in front of them? The rabbis used the word raka to excommunicate a person out of community. Can you imagine if the Supreme Court, every time they found somebody guilty of an angry word, excommunicated them from the country? There'd be a lot less people. It'd be a lot nicer place to live. You'd have the best neighbors. But, but then Jesus goes on to speak of a third level of a person who calls his brother moros. To call a person moros is to disparage and cast dispersions on his moral character. It's to besmirch his name and to take his reputation from him. So notice the sequence. The first level describes an unexpressed anger towards another person. It happens in the heart and the mind. The second level is expressing that anger directly towards the person. And the third level describes speaking ill of that person to someone else, to other people disparaging, defaming, slandering, gossiping. Recently I heard someone said, it's not slander if it's true. Well, that person has received some very poor legal advice somewhere. (laughs) Because the law concerning slander or libel as taught in the journalism school at San Francisco State says, truth is a defense against libel or slander unless the one bringing the lawsuit can prove malice. So if you speak the truth with malice, you are guilty of slander and disparagement. Jesus says that he who destroys his brother's name and reputation is subject to the severest judgment of all, the judgment of the fire of hell. Now the word hell there is Gehenna, 
And it was literally a valley southwest of Jerusalem. It was in that valley that sacrifices were made to Moloch until a good king, Josiah, decided to turn it into the garbage dump. And so that was the place people took their garbage, and the fires there were burning day and night. The place was filled with smoke and stench and worms of all types, and it was a, it was a horrible place. By the time of Jesus, the term was used to indicate hell, the, the, the place of final judgment. And Jesus used that word, Gehenna, in Mark chapter 9 to describe hell as a place where the fire shall never be quenched, that is prepared for the devil, his angels, and all who do not know Christ. Now people can't fathom the notion of hell. We don't have imaginations that can go into how deep and dark and, and terrible such a place is. And Jesus says, well, let me give you an example to help you a little bit. It's the city dump. Now, most of us, I think, have not gone to the city dump, and I've been to the city dump recently. It's not the same as when I grew up. Because my grandpa used to take me to the dump once in a while, and I hated going to the dump. Because it smelled rancid, especially when it was hot. And there was worms and that noise. It was just a terrible, terrible place to be. I felt filthy. I needed a shower when I was done. And Jesus was trying to help people say, you know the garbage dump? Hell is worse than that. Far worse than that. It's not the words, the choice of words that put us in jeopardy of going to hell. Because people can get a lot more creative than calling each other idiot or fool. There are people who make an art of stringing words together to disparage other people. It's not the words, it's the attitude. It's the attitude of thinking someone else is worthless, devaluing them, despising them, diminishing them. And the problem with that is every person is made in the image of God. And when you disparage a person who's made in the image of God, you are also disparaging the one who made them. Now, to hate someone is to commit murder in our hearts, but that doesn't mean we should say to ourselves, well, I'm already guilty, I might as well go ahead and do it. That's just adding sin on top of sin. Jesus insists that it is a most serious matter to destroy a person's reputation and that no punishment is too severe for the gossip or the talebearer that murders people's reputation, that such conduct in the most literal sense is deserving of hell. I think all of us have thought angry thoughts. I don't think there's a person here who has ever not spoken an angry word. And if we recognize that, we're going to realize we got a problem with sin. What do we do about that? Jesus answers that question in the next verse. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. An angry person needs to be very careful how they worship. And Jesus says, if you come to worship and you are reminded that there's somebody that has something against you, you need to, if you can, go and be reconciled to that person immediately. You see, it's not enough just to control our own anger, although that's important. It's also important for us not to intentionally arouse anger in someone else. And if somebody else is angry with us, whether it was intentional or unintentional on our part, we have a responsibility as best we can to mend that relationship. Now, there's no guarantee that every relationship can be mended. 
Because there are some people that are not amenable to being in good relationship with you. There's some people who pass from this life to the next, and there's no possibility at, at this point of mending that relationship. And quite frankly, there are some people who are toxic, and there's no way that a relationship can be mended with them. But what the scriptures say in Romans 12:18, as far as it depends upon us, we need to live in peace with our fellow man. And Jesus teaches this in the context of worship and in the context of sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I found today's content very practical, very applicable for me in my life. If you'd like to listen to this message again, you can do that very easily. Just go to the website for the ministry, studyversebyverse.com, and let us know that you listen. That's studyversebyverse.com. This is a ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. They're on the web as well at highlands.us. All the details about service times and directions to the church and ministries available at the church can be found on that website, highlands.us. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Mike Trout. Come back tomorrow if you can as we continue this message and this series on the Beatitudes as we open the Word of God and study verse by verse.